Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she can summon books like Thor's Hammer. It's my sister, Marissa. The only superpower I would ever want or need. Yeah. I, when, when that, we'll get to, obviously, this, this portion of the episode, but when they walk into Chidi's house, I was like, this is a hundred million percent Marissa's dream of heaven. Like, last episode, we were talking about, like, what does, what does paradise even look like? Or what does everything being fixed look like? I was like, this is what it looks like for Marissa. (laughs) This is what it looks like. Just a bunch of books. Right. If Limbo is the room full of New Yorkers... The the house full of books I can summon is paradise, certainly. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a lot to talk about th- with this episode. Very excited that our show is back. But before we get to it, a little housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. Uh, now that we're into the fourth season, uh, we'd like to get some more reviews just so people know about us. You know, we're also competing with the literal Good Place podcast hosted I'm still, by... I'm still so annoyed about <laughs> I know, that. I know. They post-date us, everybody. We existed first. But I listened to to the episode that was about this week's... I listened to the podcast episode that was, that was about this week's premiere episode. Um, and there are some little tidbits that are cool that I think could help us. I did a little oppo research for us. Ha! <laughs> And you can also follow and like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at The Good Play Pod. You do not want to miss Marissa live tweeting the episodes each week. They're, it's a lot of fun. And you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Do we have any emails this week? We have no emails. Okay. I'm just checking our iTunes ratings reviews. Uh, oh, we have some. We definitely have some new ones. Oh, we have a we have a one star one. Uh oh, maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I like it. I'll I'll yeah. read all of these. Okay, I mean not cool. right now. So, at the end. Yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it for the end. Oh, and someone someone can tell us apart. Oh my gosh! Like they someone someone's one. mentioning the. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dainting pink. I don't know who you are, but you have a gift. <laughs> well. You might be able to tell us apart this week, listeners, because Marissa is still congested. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she coughs into the microphone. Sorry, I just... I... <laughs> just mute yourself. <laughs> my, I try. I just... My children. I'm going to mute myself now. Your uh, Marissa's little one is three today, and he is the one who has caused the, the Petri dish to be unleashed in Marissa's house. He has been recovered for a full week. It's me who's like, cannot get over this, cannot shake this. Because you're old, and so your I'm old. system isn't quite it's, what it's it is. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> All right, should we, should we break down this uh, premiere episode? Please. All right, so uh, because Marissa is, she's not on her deathbed like she was last week, but she's like, Sort of climbing out of her I've deathbed. Got like, out. Right, right, right. I've got a foot on the floor, but there's still a leg she's in got, the deathbed. If you're playing like original Zelda, she has like one out of four hearts, right, mm, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's be- and so, it's beeping and it's very annoying. <laughs> yes. So I will do the recap and then you jump in. I have a feeling you're going to want to jump in at certain points, so please feel free. So 
you know, when the episode starts, we get a little last time on the good place, and it kind of brings us up to where we are now. But I think this is I don't such think a plot-heavy show where it's like, if you actually needed this recap, I'm sorry, you're going to be lost. You can't yeah, just jump into se- this show. No, I agree. All three seasons are on Netflix. Just watch it before you get here. So I'm not going to go through that because we bi- we went through that on the last episode. So the new content for this episode starts with. A close-up of Eleanor's face as she is watching Chidi, who has been mind-wiped. His memories have been erased as he's acclimating to the good place, and he's so excited to be there. And you can tell she's, like, barely holding it together. She's really doing her best. Eleanor. I know. I was was like, ugh. This whole scene killed me. Uh, So she shows him to his house, and it's full of bookshelves and reading lamps, and he's so excited and... He has the ability to summon any book that he wants, and he's just, like, happy as a clam. And, like, this gutted me because, of course, like, she loves him so much that, of course, she would give him, like, the house of his dreams and and just surround him with books because that's what she knows that he loves. And... He forgets her name, and it is just, like, the saddest, the quietest thing. That was such a thing. great, was such a great little like dig for the writers to put in there. Oh man. It was so and he did it in such a way that was like not comedic, but it was like he was so excited and overwhelmed that he was and he didn't want to offend her. And he's like, "I'm sorry. What what's your name again?" And like for her to stand right, there. Right. It's as if that... like publishers clearinghouse showed up at your front door with a check and you're like screaming and jumping up and down and then you're like, "I'm so sorry. I know you introduced yourself when I answered the door, but I just am like so overwhelmed that I forgot your name." Right. It's exactly right. that kind of thing. But for, of course, for Eleanor, it means much more. And it, it's like a gut punch for her. But she keeps it together, which is, I think, a sign that she has matured. Because I think in previous seasons, she would have had a, a much harder time. So she goes back to Michael's office and uh, the rest of the Soul Squad is there. And Tahani is like comforting her. And Eleanor tries to brush past it. And then we get Michael kind of gives a rousing speech uh, that's also just kind of an exposition dump. Yeah. Kind of like telling where all the characters are and like what their states of mind are and kind of what the stakes are for, for this experiment. And at this... The, yeah, the a lot that, of this, this whole episode was very scene setty, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of, we'll get to reviews at the end, um, but that's what a lot of the reviewers were saying too, which makes sense because it's the premiere, but I think we've gotten used to having hour long premieres for this show. Yes. And this was just a half an hour. And so it just sort of did feel like the minute that things got going, it just kind of cut off and we have to wait for next week. Exactly. But um, so Michael gives this speech. And then at the same time, Sean is giving a similar rousing speech to all of his demons. And he's like, you suck. You all suck. Donkey butts. Like he's just, but he's getting (laughs) choked up about it. Choked up. Yes. He's like choked up and he's like, you're such a dingus. Like it's pretty hilarious. Um, Michael calls Eleanor the pride of Phoenix, which I only mentioned because this episode is called girl from Arizona part one. Uh, and then the demons all sing the official Bad Place anthem, which is the Cars for Kids theme. One eight seven 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 Cars for Kids or whatever. Oh however my goes. god! Oh, we were like, oh my gosh! So then the next day, I guess Eleanor is dressed in a suit, uh, which, by the way, uh, all of Eleanor's outfits in this episode were fantastic. Uh, Eleanor's dressed. In a I, suit. I tweeted this, but her little black dress at the neighborhood welcome party. 
Oh my god. Meow. So she looks nice. amazing. She looks great. And she says that Meg that the suit makes her feel like Mariska Hargitay, but she's never seen the show. So she's like, well, boys, looks like we have ourselves an SVU. And I was like, oh, that's nice cross promotion because SVU was coming back that night. And they welcome this new resident named Linda Johansson. She's from Norway. Uh, She's super bland. She doesn't care that she's in the good place. She does ask if there's a fitness center, which blew past me the first time. Me too. But but, uh, is hashtag relevant uh, for later. (laughs) And um, so they're showing Linda around the neighborhood and uh, Michael is complaining about how boring she is. And he says that she makes neutral Janet looks like look like disco Janet. Yeah, that was quite <laughs> and, a great line. And uh, he was like, you know, disco Janet was around for a while. Uh, you know, she she was great. I mean, she was a lot, but she was great. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> so I, too, have that... been described as a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm with I, I'm yes. with disco Janet. <laughs> hashtag i'm with disco janet <laughs> um they think that linda may have been sent to torture jason because she's so like boring and then eleanor is kind of like putting a lot of stuff on janet and we just see this build up over the course of the episode but she starts by kind of like bringing in janet to get linda excited about the good place and she's like oh janet can get you anything you want and she summons uh, Eleanor summons a, a baby elephant made of pure light that can tell you s- true secrets about the universe. And all Linda wants is a peppermint. And I love Janet's like, sure. Like she just really yes. makes a show out of, she's never been asked for something so rudimentary. She's like, what do I do? The next resident, we're going to have probably a lot to say about this guy, but the next resident. Oh boy. Oh his, boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. His name is Brent Norwalk. Of course, uh, his name is Brent. And by the way, Norwalk is like a city in Connecticut that's full town of... Town in Connecticut, impo- yeah. It's full of impossible people, I'm sure. Yes. Yep, definitely. And he's basically like a walking Me Too lawsuit. Like, he just sort of like... He shows up. And it's, it's sort of this... One of the reviews talks about this, that he's sort of uncomfortably really an asshole in a whole universe full of people who like it's kind of outlandish like all of their assholery right right you know like the right jason jason's whole thing with you know acid cat or whatever yeah or like boogie board theft (laughs) exactly or like you know something about an alligator in someone's pool yeah all that stuff or you know tahani knowing archbishop archbishop desmond tutu and all that stuff right <laughs> this is this guy is like everybody every woman has known at least one guy like brett norwalk and it's like kind of you're just like oh he's so grating yeah i was like i have to spend the whole season with this guy i don't know if i can that's what one of the reviews reviews are saying. I, I know I keep mentioning it, but we'll, we can get to that at the end. And again, Eleanor tries to like pawn him off on Janet, and, she, and Brent thinks that Janet's a secretary. And then he has this whole like stream of consciousness about like, okay, fine, because she's like, I'm not a secretary, and he's like, oh, fine, fine, executive assistant. Like, here are the terms we need to know. Like, vice president of helping, Captain Marvel. You know what I'm saying? And he looks at Michael, <laughs> yes. and Michael just very sheepishly is like, I am not a part of this. I this is not. I, di- I didn't read it as sheepish at all. I read it as like, oh no, you are not dragging me into uh, this. No, yeah, no, that's my very friend. True. That's very true. 
So the all the humans are using Mindy's house as a base of operations for the new experiment. The the soul squad is. Yeah. Yes, that is that's true. And Matt from accounting from the accounting office who we met last season briefly is now in charge of monitoring the new humans progress and he kind of gives a little exposition dump about how that's happening. And he says the humans will get a modified point system to track their progress, but no one will be able to see what's happening in real time. And he says, good luck saving humanity from eternal doom. I think it's interesting, just maybe put a pin in this for the discussion section, but I think it's interesting to say, to call out that no one will be able to see how things are going in real time, that we're going to need to like wait until the experiment is fully over because we've all, we've already, as we will come to know later in the episode, have some shenanigans going on. So, you know, that's a thing. This I loved. Eleanor breaks out a magnetic whiteboard with the four new humans photos on it. And picture a magnetic whiteboard with like a a stripe through it. And on one side, uh, there's a thinking emoji, like the emoji that's kind of like, hmm. And then it's got it's got its it's got its chin in in its thumb and uh, first finger like in an L shape. Yeah. And uh, and then the other side is the party hat emoji. And her thing was like, you know, they're on this side because we're like, hmm, what's your deal? And then we move them over and it's like, like, we figured you out or whatever. I thought that was very cute. And so once they know a human well, they'll move the, the picture over to the party hat side. And Eleanor moves Simone's photo over because she thinks, okay, we already know everything there is to know about Simone. So no surprises there. And then to try and like, uh, get everybody hyped, um, Michael says, dead eyes eat hearts, can't lose. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was super funny. So back in the neighborhood. That's a reference to Texas football show. um, What's it called? uh, Friday Night Lights. (laughs) Friday Night Lights. Texas Texas football show. show. And so back in the neighborhood, uh, we see Derek played by Jason Manzoukas. And he's walking around. Zooks. And he's walking around in a tux. And he looks quite good in a tux, I will say. And um, he has a martini glass full of cornichon. And, uh, full of what she, now? Like those tiny little pickles. Oh. They're called, corn, they're called cornichon. Oh, you speak French. I don't speak French. <laughs> and uh, Jason is upset that Derek is around. And, and Janet tells Derek that he's got to go back to Mindy's because he could arouse suspicion. And Derek is very clearly trying to, like, get under Jason's skin, and Jason isn't happy about it, blah, blah, blah. Um, in the town square, they're showing the introductory video that we've seen in, like, the beginning of the first season, when Simone starts kind of, like, acting out, and she's, like, shaking another resident by the head. And Eleanor goes up to For check on For a horrible her. moment, I was like, oh, no, she's figured out that they're actually, like, Janet babies. Because I don't think you mentioned that. Oh, that's all right. the other residents. All the other residents who aren't part of this experimental group are all the babies of Janet and Derek. So they're all. So Janet has to be like running these residents with her mind at all times. Like she can't lose concentration for even a billionth of a second because she is like controlling all of these like they're not robots, but all these like almost like AIs like loose in the neighborhood. So yeah. for a horrible second, I was like oh, Simone like. Janet lost concentration for a billionth of a second and this resident like didn't react or something and Simone's figured it out but that is not in fact what is happening. But it I mean but that's a good like that could happen later because Janet seems to be getting pretty stressed. 
But this is that um, Simone believes that she's not actually dead, but that this is all a construct of her dying brain as she is like slowly slipping into unconsciousness. And she is just like, you're all figments of my imagination and I can do whatever I want. Do, 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 do. And Eleanor panics and like makes up a popcorn river. And that's kind of a throwaway joke. And we see um, Jason eating popcorn later. Um, And so then that causes Eleanor when they're back at Mindy's house to put Simone back on the whiteboard side with the thinking hand emoji (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, as Marissa said, uh, Janet can't help because she has to control the neighborhood at all times and all the residents. And she has to deal with Brent. Brent keeps, like, calling her for, like, lunch orders and stuff. Michael says that if Simone doesn't think any of this is real, then she has no motivation to become a better person. And so they need to convince her. And then this was the moment where I cackled. I cackled out loud when Jason is <laughs> like, we should get Cheedy to do it. I always believe everything Chidi tells me because of his brain and how he looks like one of those owls that graduated from college. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. I Which I think is a reference tackled. to those I think is a reference to the um like West I think they're the Western University. Hold on a second. Western Governors, I think that's it. Yes. Sage the Night Owl. Proud mascot since two thousand eleven. Western what? Governors what? Western Governors University has these owl commercials where uh, it, an owl convinces people to go back to college. I think it's a, I think it's a for-profit school. Huh. I'm okay. going to Google that. Is Western Governors University for-profit? No, it's, it's a private nonprofit governed by a board of trustees. So, okay, but it's like, I think it's... <laughs> Google's suggested question is, is Western Governors University legit? Hmm. It's like an, it's like an online university. So it's definitely, you know, it, it, it's, it's, is more... it the type of college you would go to if you had framed your, your father's girlfriend for boogie board theft? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Uh, so that had me rolling. And Eleanor is, of course, like, very reluctant and resistant to introducing Chidi and Simone for obvious reasons. And Michael tries to convince her and she's like, no, 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 no. Everything will be fine. Simone will be fine. They show up at the welcome party. Like we said, Eleanor's dress is fantastic. Uh, Everybody looks great. She looks amazing. Everybody looks great. Uh, At the welcome party, Simone shows up in this like bonkers bananas outfit because she still believes none of this is real. So she's just like creating this construct of, you know, the goofiest things she can think of and it's coming true. So like she has, her t-shirt is like Albert Einstein dabbing and she's wearing like MC hammer pants and she's got bright blue, um, eyeshadow and, and she's wearing like a huge, (laughs) like Victorian collar and all this kind of thing. And she, she like busts in and she's like, Eleanor, look what my brain did. None of this is real. I'm in a coma. And she just like wanders off and Eleanor's like, oh my God. And then Derek shows up at the mansion to bother Jason and he like skewers just a full onion in a martini glass. Yes. And Jason, to his credit. Is trying, man, he is trying. He is is trying so so hard to like 
put the fate of humanity above his feelings. Yeah. And he's like, listen, it seems like you're trying to get under my skin, but I want to call a truce. And Derek is the one who is like, I will destroy you. And, you know, Janet is my mommy girlfriend, which is like so weird. Um, I feel like Jason Manzoukas is the only person who could play this character. Um, Yeah. And... Meanwhile, the rest of the Soul Squad are monitoring the humans. Linda's still really boring. Brent is being very anti-Bernard in this scene. (laughs) He's, like, calling out his alma mater, and he says something like, I graduated in the top half of the bottom half of my class. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he's like, oh, I hung out with, like... No, 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 he says, he says, he says, you know, captain of the yachting team, captain of the football team. I knew all of them. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he makes it out like that was him, and then he walks it back in the last minute. Right. And then he's like, yeah, I hung out with all those guys. It also, not to be, like, too real, but it also was very Brett Kavanaugh to me. I mean, we all have kind of, I think, post-Brett um, Kavanaugh traumatic stress disorder, and I'm and I yes. I'm not trying to be cute when I say that. Like, no. uh... uh I, I just, I, I remember at the time those hearings were happening, like, having to take a lot of long walks, just feeling yeah. my feelings. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, this is exactly the kind of, like, white privilege, um, women are not people, bullshirt. Yep. 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 So... And then, oh, John, the gossip columnist, who we met at the end of season three, who is there to torture Tahani... They're like, let's check in on him. And you just overhear him having this conversation that is so vapid. And at one point he says, my ex-boyf is going to be Soup's Jill. And I was like, LOL. This is amazing. (laughs) Apparently this guy in real life, I learned this from the actual Good Place podcast. Apparently this, the guy who plays John in real life is one of Darcy Carden's best friends. They've known each other for like 10 or so years. They were in Upright Citizens Brigade together. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Michael finally makes the case that Chidi didn't make the sacrifice for nothing and he has to be allowed to help people. And Eleanor kind of grudgingly agrees and mumbles as she walks away from him. And that's kind of funny. Oh, did I mention that Derek bites into the martini glass? I'm sorry to jump back to that, but I was oh, no, like, and I wonder, he, you didn't mention it. I'm like, how did they do that? Is that like spun sugars? Yeah, it's a practical effect. Or is, oh, or is Zook such an amazing actor that he'll bite into glass? <laughs> No, it's He's so method. It's a practical effect. <laughs> and so then uh, Simone is out on the patio where the pool is, and she's pushing guests into the pool. And Eleanor brings Chidi over. Janet, and... Jan- she's pushing Janet babies. Like not, it's not the other test subjects. Oh yeah, yeah. And Simone recognizes Chidi's name, so Eleanor brings over Chidi. And Simone is like, "I know that name. Like, where did you teach?" And they realize they've taught at the same place. And Simone takes that as, like, her brain is just sort of randomly firing information that she's kind of filed away because her damaged brain is leaking information. And then Simone, this was incredible, Simone starts scream singing Semi-Charm Kind of Life by Third Eye Blind. (laughs) I was like, oh, we're the exact same age. (laughs) Yeah. And Eleanor was like, what is happening? And she's like, oh, it was my alarm clock when I was a kid. Like, because my, my CD alarm clock, which, I mean, a very certain subset, I think, of millennials will know what a CD alarm clock is. 
like <laughs> was always stuck on this song and it, it woke me up every day and so like i'm just trying to wake myself up uh meanwhile can that be like our intro or outro music <laughs> for this week yeah sure Jason, meanwhile, runs back to Mindy's, and Mindy is, like, upset that there's this giant obelisk. uh, She calls it a Darth Vader turd. Yes. And Jason's like, listen, there's no time to explain. Also, I kind of forgot, but (laughs) but where is Derek's plunger? (laughs) And she's like, look, you can do whatever you want. Like, no judgment here. And Derek, um, Jason kills Derek. Jason reboots him. Uh, But I just love, you know, she's saying to him, like, she's saying to Jason, like, I used to just, like, plunger him, like, I just wanted some alone time, or, like, one time I said he was breathing too loud, and he said I didn't breathe, and I'm like, well, then what's that noise? And I, you know, I just (laughs) plungered him, and Jason's, like, trying to explain, and she's like, you don't have to justify anything, you just do it, I don't, I don't care, go go Mindy is, Mindy is, like, true chaotic neutral, like, she really doesn't care. Yes. Uh, So Derek's face appears in the sky over the cocktail party. And he's like, attention, I have been Derek'd. Attention, murder has been me. (laughs) That was very funny. (laughs) Um, So later that night, this is kind of reminiscent of the season two opener where like the welcome party goes horribly wrong for the demons. Maybe ditch the welcome party. I don't know, man. (laughs) Now the welcome party is going like super not well for any of the humans. And at Mindy's... Janet and Michael are admonishing Jason for murdering Derek. And I loved that Jason was like, I thought he was trying to slide into your DMs. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Because it's not like Janet wouldn't like, that's not a, that's like a very human thing. And Janet gets really upset and she's very stressed out. And she's even to the point where she's like reconsidering being with Jason because he's just stressing her out too much, which is upsetting because, you know. Their relationship doesn't make any sense, but I'm also attached to it. Hmm. So to try and salvage the situation, Eleanor just sort of asked the group, like, okay, let's forget about Simone and focus on Linda. And tomorrow will be like Linda Day. We'll figure out what's up with her. And Tahani is suspicious. And she's like, is anybody else suspicious that the bad place has sent someone so boring? But like nobody else, they just kind of brush that aside. Janet gets even more stressed out because she has to set up for flying day. The next day, so they're really going back to, like, season one, very early, yep. like, flying day is the same thing, the intro video is the same thing, all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess because they're trying to, like, recreate as best they can the conditions through which people got better in the first iteration. Right. But the next day, Michael and Eleanor, like, see Linda, and they're trying to coax her into, like, oh, come on, don't you want to do this? Don't you want to fly? Don't you want to knit? Don't you want to, like, do whatever? And Linda all of a sudden, like, goes ham on everyone and, like, punches <laughs> Michael, punches Eleanor. Punches Eleanor! Punches, yeah. Punches a bunch of people, flies into the sky and, like, slide tackles. Starts body slamming, air. yes. Yeah. Like, and uh, I believe your husband called her a yes. scroll. <laughs> yes. I was like, I was like, is she, like, an assassin? And my husband was like, I think she's a scroll. Actually, he didn't remember what they were called. So then we had a discussion about, like, oh, the shapeshifters from Captain Marvel. I was like, oh, the, the scrolls. Yes, the scrolls. Yes. yes. Turns out that Linda is actually he Chris was Baker. Right. He was right. Yeah. Turns out my husband was right. He, Your husband was, was right. Uh, turns out Linda is actually Chris Baker, the mailman from New Jersey, who was 
uh, but he's not demon. actually any of those things. Right? No, no, he's another demon. But he he played Eleanor's fake soulmate in a previous iteration, season and, two, episode one, I think. Right? Yeah, and they, again, like going back to like where the welcome party didn't work out. Right? Like this is the same kind of setup, but in reverse. And uh, he's in disguise, and Chris is like definitely doesn't want to be there. Isn't an actor. Like, is just sort of, just got fed up with having to, like, pretend to be this person that he wasn't. And Sean gets really upset with Chris. And then... Well, there's... Uh, I mean, did you ta- did you mention that it's like, it's like a mediation with Jen? Oh, no, I didn't. So they're all in Michael's office, and Sean and Jen, like, kind of come in on these screens. And Jen is really pissed that Sean monkeyed around with the experiment and Sean is like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm a rascal, like slap on the (laughs) wrist, whatever. And Jen is like, no, 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 no. You don't get to replace this person with somebody else. Chidi is going to be the fourth person in the experiment. And Sean gets really upset. And he says like, you know, that's like studying for the test and then acing the test because they already know he can get better. (laughs) It's cheating. Right. It's cheating. (laughs) That's cheating. Meanwhile, like, I'm sure Eleanor clearly has her own opinions about Chidi being one of the test subjects again. It's it's kind of a fraught situation. And Judge Jen does threaten Sean that if he messes with the experiment again, she's going to start the whole thing over. And she's going to, like, torture him with heartwarming videos. Oh, yeah, of soldiers <laughs> coming home to their dogs. Yeah. And then, so finally, a train... Oh, <laughs> One quick thing that I also heard on the other Good Place podcast is apparently, so Chris Baker, the guy who plays him is like super ripped. He's like, he has like an eight pack. And um, (laughs) apparently somebody was, somebody that they interviewed, uh, one of the writers that they interviewed for, for this episode was on set while this scene was going on and apparently heard one of the crew members under his breath be like, are you kidding me? Or something like that. Like, so Chris Baker, like, takes off the costume and he's shirtless underneath it. And this crew member just, like, looked at this guy and was just like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, so a train arrives to take Chris back to the bad place. Janet puts him There's some on. potential. I mean, I really think we have to watch for a shell game here. Because Interesting. bad Janet steps off the train that she is driving. She's she's. uh running the train and texting. So she runs into a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But she steps off the train and says, okay, give him to me. And Michael says, no, 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 no. We're going to handcuff him to the train ourselves because, you know, shenanigans are going to occur otherwise. So then good Janet and Michael step off screen with Chris into the train and bad Janet and Eleanor are left on the track. So then it does raise the question of like, we know the bad place has a Michael suit. We know the bad place has other Janets. Like, any amount of shell gamery could have occurred on that train while the camera was off them. That's true. Michael does come back on, but to your point, that could they could just have somebody else in that suit. And I think that's a good place to jump off for the discussion, because this that's the end of the episode, is the train drives away... And we get it to be continued. So why don't we just sort of jump right into that? Because I think that's an interesting place to start. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that I have a whole ton to say about that as a potential plot bunny, but it is definitely something to keep in your head of like, 
if we actually find out that Michael is not the real Michael or Janet's been replaced, like, they didn't pull that out of nowhere. We did lose sight of them while the bad place was in the neighborhood, so it's very possible something could have happened. Yeah, totally. And it's also, we also know that good Janet can be a convincing bad Janet because she had to do that in the last season. Oh, yeah. Good point. Although we did see that bad Janet had a really hard time pretending to be good Janet. Remember, didn't she melt? Yeah, she melted. She melted. Um, So that's... mm, Yeah. But good Janet seems to have been able to impersonate a bad Janet pretty well. Although, could, could this Janet do that because she has to maintain... Like, I think if there was a Janet switch, then we would get some acting up in the neighborhood. We would get some people. And that might some... happen literally as the next episode begins, right? Because this episode say... kind of ends yeah. with, like, the train pulling away. And then it could be that everything shuts down because they've stolen the real Janet. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, so I guess we can start with, like, what do you think? What? How did you feel about this episode? A lot of table setting, you know. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't excite me you know to the didn't thrill me to the core of my being or anything it had some really poignant moments with eleanor and chidi that you mentioned yeah i thought the way that they went with simone was actually really smart because that is definitely something that a neuroscientist would kind of believe right like Mm -hmm. you're you do have you know people who have these near-death experiences and then come back from them they do have sort of these weird dreamlike hallucination states that they enter into because your brain is just firing randomly, you know, in what it thinks is sort of a last gasp, right? Yeah. So it's it's like perfectly in character for Simone to be like, yeah, this isn't real. This isn't happening. Now, like, you know, what's funny. You know, it's actually really funny. Simone's hypothesis for what's going on, and this is going to be sort of a call out to a how did this get made, Simone's hypothesis for what's going on is that it's a Jacob's Ladder scenario. <laughs> yeah, that she is so, sort of constructing her own reality around her as right, she dies. So, so not to, I'm not going to get too far into this, but there is a very well-regarded Vietnam War sort of adjacent movie with Tim Robbins, I believe, called Jacob's Ladder, where you see this Vietnam vet come home and this sort of cascading series of very bizarre things happens to him. And you find out sort of at the end of the movie that he actually has been sort of dying in a field in Vietnam the whole time. And his brain just constructed this whole reality where he goes home and he sees his wife, et cetera, et cetera. And Jason Manzukus, who plays Derek on the show and who the most famous, I would argue the most famous thing that Jason Manzukus does is appear on this podcast called How Did This Get Made? Would you agree with that? Um, maybe now he used to be on the league. He's, he's but yeah, at this point in 2019, shows. in 2019, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that the Dow loan numbers for how did this get made are higher than say like the view numbers for um, Big Mouth or something. Yeah. So I think he is most famous for appearing on this podcast, how did this get made, which is about bad movies. And he is constantly talking about how it could be a quote, Jacob's ladder scenario. Like the entire movie is actually just the dying images of, so- of somebody, right? Whatever. Right. 
Yeah. So it's kind of hilarious that he figures so prominently in this episode. <laughs> and also Simone's hypothesis is that she is encountering a Jacob's Ladder a scenario. A Jacob's Ladder scenario. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And it also, I like the way that they went with Simone's character too, because it totally throws everybody off their game. But it also, just from an acting perspective, it allows Kirby Hell Baptiste to be really out there and really funny in a way that we have not seen from her. Like she was, you know, funny in the last uh, season where we met her, but she always had to be the straight person to all the antics that were going on around her with the soul squad. And in this scenario, she gets to be the super wacky one while everyone else is trying to hold it together. So like, I can just imagine like what a fun shooting day that must have been for her to be like, I get to like wear this wacky outfit and like throw people into the pool and shove over like a bunch of cupcakes on a stand. And like, that's my job for the day is to do all these things. Um, so I thought that was really funny. And, and I'm glad, I'm sad that she is dead in this situation, but I'm also yeah, glad that we get to what? see her again. Hashtag justice for Simone. What happened? What happened to her? I, I do not know. I, I mean, I assume Brent Norwalk died in a, in a yachting accident. <laughs> or maybe his secretary was slowly poisoning him. <laughs> oh, I like that. And John, I assume, went in for, like, Botox or something and, well, and died that, that way. He said at the welcome party that he, like, got a whole bunch of Juvederm, like, too much Juvederm in his face before he died. So I'm assuming that maybe it was, yeah, like a like a liposuction accident or something. Some kind of Botox or whatever injected too much of it, and here he is. And so his... He says something like, my corpse is going to look like a wax statue and my boyf is going to be... That's what his boyf is going to be soups gel about his (laughs) ex-boyf. So yeah, like, yeah, we don't know what happened to Brent, but like, you know. Yachting accident. I I maintain yachting accident. (laughs) But yeah, we don't know what happened to Simone. But I'm glad that they kind of went in this other direction with her because I was a little concerned that we were going to get the very textbook, like, she and Cheedy hit it off again hit hit off immediately Mm. and then eleanor has to like watch them and then it's eleanor who ruins things because she can't keep it together around the two of them so i thought this was an interesting way to go that they didn't just do that of course the good place ends up being way weirder than we could have anticipated yeah (laughs) like that was probably like the first idea that they threw out and they were like no that's too everyone's gonna think that we need something else and they were like what if we gave her a t-shirt of Albert Einstein dabbing and they're like great (laughs) cool that is what a neuroscientist would like dream up I'm also a little I don't know how I feel necessarily about the bad place sending in like a sleeper agent that feels really weird to me with with Chris what do you mean disguised as Linda like I guess I should have seen it coming but like okay why does it feel weird I think it feels weird because we had that whole, like, the webisodes about the selection. Oh, the webisodes. And they made this big deal about, like, yes, this is how we're going to get them. We figured it out. It's like this diabolical plan where we're going to, like, find humans who match with these humans. But then that doesn't actually turn out to be the case in episode one. I mean, I I assume they got to Jason and were like... I don't know who is the foil for Jason. And they like racked their brains and were like, 
who is the for like jason can get along with anybody pretty much unless you're trying to steal janet Jason can get along with anybody and is so ridiculous. Like, there's no foil for him. Like, oh, let's just plant a sleeper agent. And I guess that does, from a story perspective, mean that Derek is Jason's torture. The way that she yeah. is Eleanor's torture. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's true. I just... So one of the... If I can just pop down to one of the reviews... That can can one I... Of the... Yeah. Go ahead. I have, like, a large... I have, like, a larger problem with this whole experiment. Oh. But I don't know. Okay. I just, I, I'm questioning, so like, mm, nobody is asking the hard questions in this experiment. Like Continue. the hard question, the hard questions are, why are we doing any of this? Like, why is there a good place? Why is there a bad place? Who gave us these jobs? From whence do we come? What is, what is the point of all of this? What is the point of any of this? Who are we to judge? Who gave us the power and the capacity to judge all of humanity? Like, who judges us? Quis custodiet ipsos custodiae, whatever the Latin is. Like, nobody... Judge Jen is not... You know, this is like... You know, this is not by any means a perfect analogy. But this is like the people who say... There are innocent people on death row and we have to get the innocent people off death row. And it's like, yes, we do have to get the innocent people off death row. Also, there probably shouldn't be a death row, right? Like, yeah. And and certainly that's a very nuanced and complex topic. But I would say, at least in 2019 in America, the actual compassionate and reasoned position is we cannot be trusted. The state cannot be trusted with death as an instrument of justice. Okay? And I'm not saying that no state could ever state in the in the sentence of a nation. No state could ever be trusted in any circumstances with that. But in the sense of like day-to-day criminal stuff, the state uh, our state has proven itself time and again to not be able to be trusted with this power. And therefore, you can say we're the Innocence Project, and God knows the Innocence Project is on the side of the angels, right? And, like, we're the Innocence Project, and we go through and we get innocent people off death row, and, like, God love them. They're, they're doing, they're doing the angels' work. But also, there are people who need to be just going for the abolishment of the death penalty, right? Mm -hmm. And what this experiment feels to me like is the Innocence Project of no, 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 they don't all deserve to be in the bad place. Some of them are redeemable. When I think the actual transformative question here would be, why even is there a bad place? What good does it do anybody? And obviously we got into this last week, but it really struck me with this episode of like, it just feels like fiddling around at the mark. And, and like, I trust Mike Schur and this team to be doing the smart thing. So I'm not saying like, it's not a criticism per se, but it was a frustration for me as I watched the episode of like, you know, Jen and, and Mike and Sean on the, on, you know, all talking to each other on a conference call about like the picayune details of this little experiment that's going to like decide the fate of humanity when it's like, yeah. ask the bigger question of why is this the framework we're operating under in the first place? I think that's a great point. That's a great point. 
And and we had similar questions in season three, which is why are you going from individual person to individual person and trying to make them better when you know that that's a a, a, a futile task, right? And we also, I also had a similar question at the end of season three when they set up the experiment of like, this experiment doesn't seem totally airtight here. And when you're hinging the fate of humanity <laughs> on it, yeah. Like, and it's clearly not airtight because, you know, they snuck a demon in and nobody seemed to notice. <laughs> but I think you're correct that... By the way, we said, in, we said in the preview last week that we thought that Michael would be able to sniff out a demon, and we were wrong. We were wrong. Tahani was the one who did it, <laughs> weirdly. But, but I think you're correct that the show has hinted at like, let's look at these sort of, like, larger systemic issues and the people in the good place or the entities in the good place are very clearly supposed to be, like, you know, the UN well, General Assembly. Yeah. Or, or um, that, too. <laughs> um, or, like, you know, any any well-meaning group of people that is very Well-meaning, about... ineffectual group of people. Yes. yes. But I think you're... I think you said it really well, like... What are we like? Let's ask the bigger questions of ourselves as supernatural entities deciding the fate of these people, because that would almost be to me mirroring the questions that humanity asks of itself all the time, right? That we ask, Mm. you know, why are we here? What's the purpose of us being here? Who put us here? It's the reason we have a heaven and hell contract to begin with, right? Because religion was created to make sense of the world the that senseless. we live in. Yeah. Right. And the randomness and the chaos of the universe. Some people were like, um, creation myth. And every culture has a creation myth because we have to figure out where we come from. Every culture has some kind of of faith or or something that they subscribe to that can kind of make sense of the universe. But these are questions that humanity has to ask itself all the time. Who are we to judge each other? Who judges us? And that, you know, that's how you get people who believe that the death penalty, for example, is the just thing to do. And you have other people who say that's not humanity's, you know, that's not for people to decide. Only God can do that. You know, there are people who believe that. And so I think it would be really interesting to have the the beings in the proverbial heaven and hell that are, you know, constructs from humans. I'm getting a little like MC Escher twisted around, but like humans created heaven and hell, the construct of heaven and hell to make sense of the world around them. But if you have beings in heaven and hell, all of a sudden go, well, what are we doing here? That I think would be really cool (laughs) and really interesting. Um, and I fully agree. So with do you. you think, so that's an interesting, I mean, the thing that you just kind of brought up as an idea is really interesting that it's possible that the good and bad place winked into existence when humanity began believing in an afterlife, that they are actually the products of belief. Ooh, I'm very, that, smart, it was like apparently. a collective, <laughs> it was like a collective hallucination that we all created through the power of collective belief which is look it's as plausible an explanation as anything because as far as we can tell there is no creator god in this universe so like where did they come from right right 
And that could be fun, too, because that could mean, like, that could sort of be why, like, in this episode, Eleanor says, look, if this was your brain to Simone, like, if this was your brain dying, like, don't you think it would come up with something more interesting than just, like, a cocktail party? A cocktail party. But, like, no, that's, like, it would almost make sense to me that at least for now, like, humans think of things in terms of, like, there's a binary, there's a good and bad, and there's also, like, I I don't have the capacity to imagine a heaven beyond my wildest dreams, so, like, heaven is just going to be a really nice neighborhood where I'm safe and all of my needs are taken care of, and hell is, like, a bunch of cubicles (laughs) that I have to, you know what I mean? So that Mm. that could actually be pretty interesting (laughs) if that was the case. That, but I do want to see, like, I want to see that explored ultimately. And maybe yeah. it's a very short season, though. And, like, I don't know how much time they're going to have to get into all these questions. But, like, you know, we've had this journey of self discovery with the humans, you know, all through season two, essentially. You know, the, the cockroaches and Michael went through this yeah. very, this, this very profound journey of self discovery and what, how do you, how are you a good person and all that stuff. And it's time for the supernatural entities in this equation to do the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. you don't, you don't get to just, I mean, it's ba- we're being a, a demon in the bad place at this point, you have basically the Nuremberg defense of like, I'm following orders. And that doesn't yeah. like what, if there is, or if, if ethics is real, you know, if there is like a quote unquote point system or whatever, if there is morality, then like it applies to you too. You <laughs> Right. You, these are beings that have free will, which we know because Michael exercised his free will and defected. Right. Right. And, you know, Chris Baker is a perfect example of somebody who is very comfortable living within those bounds of, I'm just going to follow orders and I'm very good at my job. But the minute you ask me to exercise my free will and do something a little off the beaten path, I can't handle it. And Sean, in the webisodes that we watched uh, last episode, makes a real case for, like, the stakes are so high here that if Michael and and the humans turn out to be correct, our way of life will go away. So they do understand at some level that the stakes are high for them, too, and it's almost like their reason for existing would no longer exist, Right. And so I I do hope that that kind of gets explored more because I, I don't, ultimately, I don't think that the experiment as it is now is going to make any bit of difference with the people that yeah, we have exactly. in here. And, and the lack of parity with, you know, there aren't really four new people anymore and... You know, everything got so muddled with adding Simone and like Brent is just unrepentant. I that that's but it's also like we've talked about in the past how the root of the bad behavior of our four original I mean, setting Cheetah aside, who is my husband and is perfect and he never did anything (laughs) bad. But the three like kind of dirtbag humans, like the root of their bad behavior was in this like very deep childhood traumas for each of them, right? Eleanor was never loved by her parents. Jason was neglected, basically neglected by his family and neglected by the educational system. And Tahani was emotionally abused and really, really poor. And Tahani was emotionally abused by her parents, right? 
Yeah, yeah. We see, you know, the two guys, John and Brent, like the symptoms of their bad behavior are the symptoms of people who, like, they almost have the opposite problem, which I hate to say because, like, it's not a problem that people don't experience abuse. <laughs> That's not what I right. mean. But but their pro- their bad behavior is the symptom of, like, too much privilege, right? They're right. white men. They're white, well-to-do men from America, at least as far as I can tell. They're white, well-to-do men from America who, yes, John is queer and and would have experienced oppression based on that. But other than that, these are these are guys who had every advantage in life. It appears to be the case that they had every advantage in life, and their bad behavior kind of stems from that. And like, you can Good point. You could uh, you could reach into our cockroaches' pasts and work with their tragedy and get them to a place where they realize why they have done the things they've done. And they have all done that in turn, kind of, with maybe the exception of Jason. Although even Jason, you know, he he met up with Donkey Doug in season three, and that was kind of cathartic for him. Yeah, can, and also Jason kind of- had a Jason had a moment when he and Tahani were like giving out money to people where he very clearly is like, oh, this amount yes, of money would have changed my life. And the other moment of clarity that he had was with Jen, with Judge Jen, where he says, you can't judge us because you don't know what we go through. And he told that story about his friend from the dance crew. Great so point. he has had moments where he understands very clearly, like, I am a product of my situation. But, you know, there's no... There's no, there doesn't appear to be, at least at first blush, there doesn't appear to be that kind of hook that you can kind of sink yourself into with these two new characters to be like, this is why, you know, you, it, it, it's the difference between this, this terrible thing happened to me and I have to come to terms with it versus the actual problem is that you had too much power and were too much doted upon by the world and that twisted you and you have to come to terms with that. I think, without exception, that's a much tougher pill for people to swallow than the pill of, I I am a victim. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think you laid it out there very clearly because I was sort of, I, I keep referencing this, but like, I've seen in the reviews that people are a little bit like, some of the reviewers are like, I don't know about this new crew. And, I, you know, I think some of it was, from a story perspective, introducing new characters that were supposed to like, get invested in their growth because uh, the fate of humanity seems to hinge upon it, but we have so little time with them that it, from a story perspective, that seems difficult. But I think you hit the nail on the head because, you know, we've spent three seasons now with this group of people who ultimately are lovable and ultimately are you know, have gone literally through hell to figure out like, Hmm. okay, here's how I become a better person. And we've talked a lot on this show about how the fact that they were able to improve because all of their needs were met and they came from a scarcity mindset and now they don't have to worry about scarcity anymore. To your point about Mm, Brent and about, to your point about Brent and about John and even to a certain degree about Simone, although she would have had some um, racial issues, I'm sure, and, and gender issues to contend with. But with John and Brent, they did not have, there was no scarcity mindset for Brent, right? At least on Earth, because he had everything that he needed. It sounded like he ran his own company. It sounded like he kind of ran it with impunity. 
it sounded like he took a lot of other took advantage of a lot of other people and he is not going necessarily going to improve because all of a sudden all of his needs are taken care of for the first time and he can really focus on being a good person because he's had his needs taken care of his whole life and it turned him into a sour person turned him into a bad person so you know i i do wonder ultimately if we're gonna have to like blow past this idea of this of the experiment the way that it's set up now and like get to the real heart of the issue which is exactly what you brought up which is like why are we even doing this in the first place and who are we and why are we here do you want me to read the itunes reviews that we've had yes yes Uh, okay so i don't remember the last time that i read these uh i think i think i remember reading that so i'm going to start at the first one that i don't really remember reading but i apologize if i'm reading one multiple times so i'm going to read four reviews hopefully i'll make quick work of them okay i'll save the one star one for last even though it's back in april it's a third opinion so (laughs) yeah so uh Stewalicious Lovebug says, I always say I'll wait to listen to this podcast till I'm on a walk or a long car ride, but whenever I see a new Good Play episode is available, I listen immediately. This was the first Good Place podcast I listened to, and it is still my favorite. The sisters have great taste. Why, thank you. And are funny and smart. Oh, hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. I was listening to other Good Place podcasts recently, but it just wasn't the same. So I decided to re-listen to the Good Play from the beginning. Oh, subscribe. (laughs) Do it. You know you want to. Just make sure you finish season one first. That's a great point. Always finish season one before you listen to any any of the show. Thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Uh, This one seems to be maybe from someone who... English is not their first language, so I'm just going to read it as it is. The title is One of the Top Part Cash for the Good Place. Maybe they were doing voice recognition and podcast turned into part cash? Anyway, this is Charlie B. Charlie B. 54. I I love listening to these two women talk about the good place, and now that they are reviewing movies, I have been listening, and they are very good. Thank you. Thank you. Short and sweet. And then, yes. And then Dainting Pink. Uh, This is from this June... I catch myself nodding rapidly in agreement with nearly everything Marissa says, but, wait for Brianna, but spiritually I share Brianna's poor taste in TV crushes. Oh! Demon. I, <laughs> I mean. Demon. <laughs> <laughs> Demon Adam Scott, Jeff Winger, etc. Yes. There is real. Oh. Yes. There is Call real care girl. put into the. Yeah. <laughs> There is real care put into the episodes and a thoughtfulness that I was surprised by. Hmm, okay. There are these funny moments woven with deeply intuitive tidbits. I could go on, but I recommend listening for yourself. Also, to the one negative review on here, you you misspelled judgmental, and at the risk of adding to my bad place points, I'm judging you. (laughs) (laughs) I love this girl. I think it's a girl. I love her. Uh, Um, Get at us. Please get at us. I kind of love this one judgmental review, though. So it's from okay. Skit 4382. Okay. Which sounds like an AOL and some messenger screen name, quite frankly. Yes. And the title is too judgmental, and it is admittedly misspelled. I was into this podcast until the Marvel movie reviews. As a Marvel and Good Place fan, I was very happy, but these two women seem to be the biggest negative Nancys when it comes to Marvel movies. I don't understand why they are watching them, if they hate them so much. Okay. <laughs> I mean... 
<laughs> I mean, I kind of like. I, that's like that's a real that's a really interesting rationale to give someone one star. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, that's like a three star. Like I was enjoying the main topic of this podcast, but then they veered into this other territory that I don't like. Three stars, but no, it actually knocked us all the way down to one star. That I did not like Age of Ultron. <laughs> but also, like we do like a lot of Marvel movies. We love, like. I mean, I have seen almost all of them. I have not, but like I love Black Panther. I love Captain Marvel. Like I love the first Guardians. Well, I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Like the first Iron Man is still. I mean, yes. Do we always make fun of Obadiah Stane? Yes. <laughs> that doesn't mean we don't love that movie. <laughs> Um, it's fine. At least he, this person was not like, what was that movie with Brent Meryl Streep? No, no. Oh, 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 uh, judging your life, right? At least they, they were like, I love this podcast until they, they uh, took a shirt on uh, ju- uh, judging your life because I love that movie. I would have been like, okay. I feel like dude. that's not the, did I get it wrong? I'm going to, I'm going to Google Judging it. your life. Uh, defending your life. Defending your life, thank you. Yeah, sorry. See, I didn't like it so my, much my that B. I immediately my forgot B. what its name was. You know, I hope that that one-star person comes back now that we're doing The Good Place, because... Because we need the I download can... numbers? Well, and also, like, if they enjoyed it while we were talking about The Good Place, then that's our core competency right there. <laughs> that is where we, on our Thrive reviews, that is where we thrive hardest, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for the the reviews, everybody. Even if it's a negative review, we can always learn from it, you know? I mean, I'm not going to start liking Ant-Man and the Wasp because somebody left us a bad review. No. And I'm, I'm as a person, not going to stop being judgmental. <laughs> yeah. No. So... I, I, like, you should... If you're doing a cultural critique podcast, you should probably be judgmental, I would argue. Sure. Let's go with that. It makes us sound, you know, unbiased. <laughs> We're like, we have to be judgmental. And it's fine. So, yeah. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about? Thank you, everybody, for the reviews. Please keep them coming. Review drive. Yay. Now that we're in season four, tell your friends. Yeah. And, like, uh, uh, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, retweet, uh, you know, my live tweeting. And if you're on Facebook, you know, join the Facebook group. The Facebook group is pretty low-key, let's say. Yeah. Yeah pretty slow uh but there's some action on twitter and it's nice to get retweets and likes and whatnot on that because i suspect that's where a lot of people have actually found this show is via the twitter account yeah do you have anything else about this week's episode or any predictions coming up or anything i know better than to try to predict this show i would just like it to be thursday yeah and then i would know what happened me too oh uh happy new year to all of our jewish listeners oh yes shana tova you know, stuff your face with challah. And it's actually an appropriate time for The Good Place to be coming back because this is the time of year where those of us... You in think the a lot about death. And we repent a lot and we try to be better mm-hmm. people. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing that the show is coming back around now. Yes, very thematic. Yeah. So um, is that... Are, are we wrapping up? I think we're wrapping up. Alrighty. Until next week, uh, yeah, feel free to give me any amount of tasks you'd like to do because I'm not busy or anything. I feel like that could just be your, like, 
constant like a sign that you hold above your head at all times in your actual yeah, it should life. be my it should be my status message on all messaging platforms yes until next week ding dongs we will you know stay good and we'll see you next time Okay. Um, and also, I... <laughs> wait for the... Should we wait for the siren to go What's that song? I think you're good. Hear the sirens oh. wail. Somebody's, Somebody's going to emergency. emergency. Somebody's, going, Somebody's to going to jail. You find and somebody to love in this world, you better hang on. Hang on to the nail. To the nail. The wolf is always, the wolf is at, the always at the door. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right.